Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So for the last 72 hours, uh, some of the most exciting and intense sports action has taken place. Every year around this time, people from all around the country tune in to what some might say is the most exciting weekend in sports. Beginning this past Thursday for the men and Friday for the women was the NCAA Basketball Tournament of Champions, or as everyone else in the world calls it, March Madness. And whether your favorite team made it in or is, you know, a number two seed, go Terps women, or because you entered your, graphic, your office's bracket challenge, or maybe you're just watching for fun, I think it's fair to say it's a bit of an exciting weekend. And while I typically watch as many games as I can, uh, this year I just wasn't thinking about it over the course of the last few months, and so I didn't know when the weekend was going to come when Pastor Mark came in the preaching schedule a few months ago. So rather than watch basketball for the last three days, I was working on this message. But I did manage to catch a few games, including the one uh, that started the men's tournament on Thursday, which, as I'm sure many of you know, was the game between the University of West Virginia and the University of Maryland. And uh, it was a pretty close game the whole way, and it came down really to the last few plays. And in the last 30 seconds, uh, there was a really controversial moment. So controversial, in fact, that the refs had to go back to the replay monitor to try and watch it and make sure that they got the call right. Eventually they did and Maryland went on to win. But just so we're clear, their victory has nothing to do with the rest of this message, okay? But you know, go Lady Terps later today. But I mention all of this because as I was watching the game and particularly uh, that moment where they were watching the same play over and over and over again, that moment kind of stood out to me. Just uh, this idea in which uh, the referees wanted to make sure that they got this right, that they understood everything that had happened. And so they watched the replay again and again and again from different angles each time, a second and third and fourth time, just to see if maybe they missed something, as if somehow something new might come out of it. And I think the reason I've been really uh, thinking about that moment in particular over the last few days is because that's what I want all of us to do this morning in light of the story we heard from John's Gospel. See, the story uh, that you heard just a few moments ago is actually a section of a larger story that comes out of John. Uh, the story that is all familiar to us, uh, the raising of Lazarus. Uh, many of us have heard this story over the years. It's one of the most famous and well-known stories in the Bible. I remember as a kid hearing it in Sunday school and knowing that, wow, Lazarus is the man that Jesus raised from the dead. In fact, uh, I think when I was a kid, I vividly remember that our, for Sunday school, our activity was to wrap each other in toilet paper because that's what we assume Lazarus walked out of the tomb looking like. And so at the very least, when we hear that name, Lazarus, many of us immediately jump to, oh yeah, that's the guy that Jesus raised from the dead. But just like any other story in the Bible, it's important for us to go back and to read the story again and again and again, kind of like watching a replay. Because when we do that, we begin to see Jesus on every single line. The Spirit works within us to perhaps catch things that maybe we missed the first or the second or even the third time. And it helps us to experience even the most familiar of stories in a new way. And so as we replay the story this morning, I want to go back to a time in which Jesus hadn't even arrived at the tomb of Lazarus. I want to pause the story at a really powerful moment. It's the moment where Martha meets Jesus. 
And that name Martha might sound familiar to you as well. She was one of Lazarus' sisters, though uh, we often perhaps compare her to her other sister, Mary. In fact, even as this story opens up, we're told it's Mary who's the one who anoints the feet of Jesus. And in the other story, we know that Martha is the one preparing the house while Jesus is there, and, and Mary is just sitting listening to Jesus teach. Right, so it's, it's that Martha who's here in this story. And together, Mary and Martha's brother Lazarus is sick. And so they send word to Jesus, and they do it in a really uh, particular way. And verse 3 tells us that they said, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And so uh, it's clear that Jesus cared deeply for all of them, but at the same time, these sisters are trying to send a, a bit of a not-so-subtle message here to Jesus. The one that you care for, the one that you love, he is ill. And of course, as the story goes, and as we hear in verse 17, Jesus doesn't just show up. In fact, uh, we're, not, we're told until it's four days after Lazarus has already been in the tomb that Jesus finally arrives. So when the sisters initially sent word to Jesus, Lazarus was still alive but very sick. And now that he's been dead for four days, that's when Jesus finally shows up. So we already can see that there's a bit of a gap in that time span, in the time in which they reached out and the time in which Lazarus has been dead. And so when Martha finally hears that Jesus is here, she goes out to greet him on the road when he arrives. And here's what she says to him. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Over the last few days, I found myself reflecting on these words from Martha. Her words here are so clearly filled with so much emotion. She's certainly feeling the grief of the loss of her brother that she's been carrying now for at least four days. And on top of that, based on what we know about Martha, I think we can all assume that she was also exhausted from all the people that she's hosting because they're coming to love on her and her sister now that her brother has died. And so in the midst of, of the emotional exhaustion and perhaps the physical exhaustion, she comes to Jesus. And when she speaks to him, there's this, this tension found in his, her words to him. See, uh, this tension is found as she wrestles with the depth of her faith in him and at the same time, her frustration with the lack of his presence. She knows that if Jesus had shown up sooner, Lazarus would not be dead. Uh, Martha clearly communicates here that she believes if Jesus was there, he would have healed her brother. Martha believes that Jesus can heal and can restore. But that's not the reality of her situation. The reality is her brother has been dead for four days. Jesus was late. And now she has to carry the weight of that grief with her every day. How often do you look back on a moment in your life and wish that things could be different? What are the moments that you find yourself replaying and perhaps you ask, why did this have to happen to me? Maybe like Martha, you look back on a moment in which you experienced a deep sense of grief, a very a painful loss, the loss of a loved one, a life-changing grief in which you find yourself asking, what if things were different? Or even more pointedly, as Martha did, what if Jesus had been here when I called on him? Where was Jesus when I needed him? 
I think many of us have experienced what Martha's going through here, wondering how things might have been different if Jesus was there in the moments that we called on him. And so often it's these moments, just like Martha's, it's the moments of our deepest need, of our our deepest regrets, of our deepest pain, of our deepest sorrow and sadness. Moments that are filled with losses that change our lives forever. And we can't help but wonder, where were you, Jesus? Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you come when I called on you? Lord, if, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In the depth of our grief, we feel as though Jesus simply hasn't arrived yet. That, that perhaps there's a part of us that knows that he's here, but we still wish he would have arrived just to change what went wrong. That if anyone could have done anything, if someone could have changed the outcome, it's Jesus. And now, we're simply left looking back on all that has been lost, wondering what would have changed if he was here. And at the same time, Martha has a unique perspective that appears to us in this story. See, because while she looks back on what has been lost, she also communicates a very clear vision of what is still yet to come. And this comes on the heels of what Jesus says to her. That after she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died, Jesus says to her, Martha, your brother will rise again. And then Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection at the last day. And so if Martha's first words were communicating that she has this deep sense of loss and perhaps frustration with with Jesus not showing up, she also is very aware that the resurrection will change everything, that her focus can now be completely shifted to the future. And I think as readers, we often overlook this interaction between Martha and Jesus because we know how the story ends. Right? We, we jump ahead to the part in the story where Jesus calls Lazarus out and he comes out. And yet, in this moment here, we overlook one of the most powerful proclamations that Jesus has for me and for you. A moment that we can also lean on someone like Martha. That Martha's faith shines through here. That in her words here, Martha is proclaiming the power of the resurrection. That in the midst of her grief and looking back on what she's lost, she's also very aware of all that is still yet to come. She believes that on the last day she will be reunited with her brother Lazarus. In the midst of her pain and in her sorrow, she still has this this reality that promises her that one day things will be better. One day things will be different. The power of the resurrection will change her life. And this gives her hope in the midst of her grief. Hope that, that death is not the end and that there is something for her to look forward to every day of her earthly life. So what are you most looking forward to at the resurrection of Jesus? Maybe it's uh, the experience where there will be no more pain and no more sorrow. Maybe uh, you're looking forward to experiencing all that the new creation has to offer you. Maybe you're looking forward to meeting Jesus. And, and I know that almost sounds like it's an added thing, but isn't that something that we all long for? Or maybe you're like Martha, looking forward to all those things, but in particular, being reunited with the loved ones who have gone on before you as we celebrate the resurrection for all of eternity. 
See, in the midst of her interaction with Jesus here, Martha is experiencing this tension between her past and her future. And her experience teaches us how to embrace the resurrection in light of this tension, in light of what has happened and what will happen. Because she knows things could have been different, but she's aware that things one day will be different. She knows the power of the resurrection and that she will experience it one day in its fullness, but for now, she has to wait. See, as Martha meets Jesus on that road that day, she's on a bit of a longer road, the road to resurrection. And that is true not only for Martha, but for me and for you. That this is how so many of us live our lives each and every day. We look back on what we have lost, wondering what could have been, acutely aware of our pain and of our sorrow. And at the same time, we look forward, knowing that God has promised us a life that is full of future eternal blessings and promise and hope, and one day, the fullness of life experienced with him and all those who have gone on before us. And while this is every bit of a faithful and faith-filled response from Martha and from me and from you, Jesus wants us to know that there's more to life than just the past and the future. Listen again to what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. In the midst of, of Martha focusing on her past life and on the future that Jesus has in store for her, he comes to speak words of hope into her present. In fact, if you look at the old manuscripts, it's very clear that these words are in the present tense, that as Jesus speaks them, he wants Martha to know that this is her reality right here and right now. He's not speaking about the power in the past or the future. Jesus speaks these words to Martha to invite her into that reality right now. That Jesus is telling her he is the resurrection and the life. And that means her life is different in this moment. Because remember, all of this is happening before he's arrived at the tomb. Lazarus has not been raised from the dead yet. The big miraculous moment hasn't come. And yet Jesus wants Martha to know that right now, even with her brother dead, in the midst of her great sorrow, the resurrection has come to her. That the power of the resurrection is here now and is always with her. So often we think about our lives just like, like Martha did. We think about our lives and about Jesus and about the resurrection as if it could have changed something in our past and it will change everything about our future. And both of those are true. But when Jesus speaks here, he wants us to know that the resurrection has meaning in our lives right here and right now. What Jesus teaches Martha and me and you in this moment is that nobody has to exit the tomb for us to participate in the resurrection. Jesus is, is showing us that the power of the resurrection is already at work. And so we don't need to hide our pain and our suffering and our sorrow. We don't need to, to put those things away as if uh, God doesn't want them. We can take them back to him. Because in the midst of her sorrow and in her grief, and in the midst of your sorrow and your grief, Jesus steps in and says to you, I am the resurrection and the life. Right here and right now, the promises of the resurrection are true for me and for you. You know, it's fitting that Jesus speaks these words to us today while we are in the midst of our own resurrection journey. 
in the midst of the season of Lent, where uh, for the last 25 days and for the next 15, we'll continue on this long road in which we talk about the depth of our sinfulness and of our brokenness, and how the result of all of those things leads to death and the loss that we experience in this life. And at the same time, we're called to focus on all the promises and the power that Jesus has in the midst of those moments. That Jesus steps into the darkness, he steps into the pain and the sorrow and the heartbreak to bring these promises to us here and now. He speaks those words of promise to me and you the same way he did to Martha. And the beauty of these words is that they come while we are still waiting for the full celebration of the resurrection. That rather than rush ahead to Easter, we still have some time to sit and in a few weeks to walk that walk, the journey to the cross where Jesus will die for me and for you. And three days later to the tomb where it will be empty and he will rise for me and for you. And yet right here in the midst of that walk, Jesus proclaims the resurrection. And he shows us that the resurrection promises are not just for the past and they're not just for the future. They're not far away from us. The resurrection promises are here right now for me and for you. When Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, he invites us to embrace that in this moment, to embrace that in the present moments of our lives. To embrace the resurrection because it has the power to change everything about our lives. And that power is being experienced each and every day. That at every moment in our lives, the resurrection is already changing how we see the world, how we live, how we exist. Everything about our lives is changed because of the resurrection. But what does this look like then for me and for you? How do we experience the power of the resurrection in our daily lives? Sometimes, perhaps, it's through the big, grandiose moments like Lazarus walking out of the tomb. But more often, it's in the small, quiet ways. It's, in fact, uh, through the way that we interact with one another, that we experience the power of the resurrection through the people that God has placed in our lives. That sometimes the power of the resurrection comes through something as simple as a hug or maybe uh, the holding of a hand. Maybe speaking those words of peace to one another. Perhaps wiping a tear. Maybe even just sitting in silence to be reminded that the tomb is silent because it is empty. In the midst of our daily lives, in every moment, Jesus comes to say, I am the resurrection and the life. He wants you to know that wherever you are on this long road to resurrection, that he has come to you here and now. That he is the resurrection and the life even in the midst of your pain and in your sorrow. And he promises to come to you at every moment and each and every day to fill you with his hope and to continue to fill you with his love. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.